the Ortho PAC, hosted by Sam Dyer. Welcome to the Ortho PAC, where we discuss up-to-date orthopedic topics for the busy clinician. I invite you to sit back and relax as I attempt to fill in the gaps between education, current events, and real-world practice. Welcome, Dr. Silver. Dr. Silver is a board-certified orthopedic surgeon who specializes in sports medicine. He also specializes in reconstructive shoulder surgery. And he's coming on today to discuss the diagnosis and treatment of shoulder osteoarthritis and how to develop a more accurate diagnosis and form a treatment plan. Hi, Dr. Silver. Thanks for being on today. Hi, Sam. Thanks so much for having me today. Please tell us about the different ways someone might present with their common symptoms, past medical history, age, what are some common exam findings, x-ray findings, that sort of stuff. Patients with osteoarthritis generally are older in age. It varies a bit, but we don't typically see it below age 50. Sometimes it happens. Generally, patients older than 50, usually in their 60s or 70s, and even for that matter, 80s or 90s, are the patients we see osteoarthritis the most with. It can occur from any number of reasons, some of which we'll get into in a few minutes. But the symptoms typically are a deep, dull, achy type pain within the shoulder, some creakiness or crunchiness as the shoulder moves. Sometimes it catches or clicks as the shoulder's moving, often associated with decreased range of motion, difficulty lifting and carrying objects. Pain at nighttime is really common. Rheumatoid arthritis, the symptoms are kind of similar, but generally people know that they have rheumatoid arthritis by the time they develop it in the shoulder joint. It's oftentimes associated with a little bit more swelling and can be affected by different types of rheumatologic medications. Cortisone injections can change the symptoms a bit. One interesting thing about rheumatoid arthritis if it comes to the point where the patient needs to have surgery, oftentimes it's necessary to come off of the rheumatoid arthritis medications so that the wound will heal after surgery. Some of the rheumatoid arthritis medications people take will affect how their tissue will heal after surgery. Osteonecrosis typically is one of the more painful conditions of the shoulder that can affect arthritis. It typically does lead to an arthritic state what osteonecrosis is, is when the blood supply to the bone gets disrupted for any number of reasons, and the bone loses its blood supply, and the bone starts to crumble. As a result, it doesn't have the capacity to keep its structure healthy, and it can be one of the more painful shoulder conditions that we see. Post-traumatic arthritis tends to end up as regular old bread and butter osteoarthritis. Anytime the cartilage or bone on either the ball side of the shoulder joint or the cup side of the shoulder joint is disrupted, the patient's at risk for increased osteoarthritis in the shoulder. The symptoms are pretty similar to what we see with just regular osteoarthritis. The treatment ends up being pretty similar as well, but it can vary a little bit. It's usually sort of slowly progressing like regular osteoarthritis is. Rotator cuff tear arthritis is most frequently associated with decreased range of motion with weakness, oftentimes with what we call pseudoparalysis. In other words, you're trying to move the arm, it just won't move on its own. 
if somebody helps you lift it or if you lift it with your other arm, then it'll actually move. And so it's not that it's truly paralyzed. We call it again, pseudo paralysis. So that's the hallmark of rotator cuff tear arthritis as opposed to osteoarthritis. You still have the same pain, still have the same deep dull achiness, et cetera. It's just much harder to, to move the arm much at all. Septic arthritis is in large regard a medical emergency. It's something that we have to treat acutely. That's where you have an infection in your shoulder joint. And if it escapes the shoulder joint and gets into the bloodstream, that can be a medical emergency and it affects your entire body, not just your shoulder. Symptoms of septic arthritis are typically a, a swollen, if not red, shoulder and a severe amount of pain with just about any motion of the shoulder. You typically have a fever or chills and just feel sick or ill in, in general. The important thing with septic arthritis is the infection has to be completely cleared before any type of other procedure might be done surgically. So you certainly wouldn't want to put a shoulder replacement in somebody with septic arthritis unless they are completely healed and there's no evidence of any residual infection in the joint or you're at risk for the shoulder prosthesis getting infected. At that point, you have to remove everything. It ends up being several surgeries instead of just one surgery. Post-capsulorophy arthropathy occurs when you've had a shoulder arthroscopy in the past to fix a unstable shoulder. And we don't see it as much anymore as we did five or even 10 to 15 years ago. In the past, we used arthroscopic techniques that sometimes caused the joint itself to become arthritic. Most notably, there were some thermal tools that we used that created a heat injury or a heat effect on the tissue. And that heat itself was thought to kill some of the cartilage cells. The cartilage is what you lose when you have arthritis. And so if those cells die, that's what gives you arthritis. Those patients are typically much stiffer than some of the more bread and butter arthritis patients, oftentimes a little bit more pain, and it's uh, a little more quick to occur than a typical arthritis patient. Iatrogenic arthritis, we categorize in the same category as osteoarthritis. Osteoarthritis, we, we know what happens. We don't necessarily know in every situation what causes it, but it is a gradual progression of, of arthritis that typically occurs over a period of a few years with increased pain, decreased range of motion, and a lot of the clicking symptoms we talked about with osteoarthritis. Age is a factor that we consider when we're considering things like shoulder reconstruction or shoulder replacements. If you're medically unfit for surgery, if you have a heart that just won't tolerate the stress of the surgery, or if you have breathing issues that make the anesthesia difficult to administer, if there's an infection, we may want to postpone, if not consider an altogether different treatment option. There's really no youngest stage as far as you know, who we will consider doing a shoulder replacement, and it just needs to make sense to do it in, in a younger patient. The reason we'd like to wait Tell you're older, if at all possible, to do a shoulder replacement is because in general, they last roughly 15 to 20 years. And if you're 40 and it only lasts 15 to 20 years, then you're at risk for having two, three, sometimes even four procedures done during your lifetime because they don't last more than, say, 10 or 15 years. 
other factors to consider are trauma. If there's skin disruption or skin irritation or even a stray pimple here or there that would increase the risk of the patient getting an infection, we'd like to hold off on, on replacement if we're able to. Sometimes with fractures, we're unable to hold off on surgical intervention because the bone is broken and we have to do it sooner rather than later. But in most situations, if we can delay until things have otherwise cleared up, we, we prefer to. That's a great overview of the, the reasons why we do this. And I think typically to manage these patients initially, we try a conservative approach. It's similar to many things with modifying activities and therapy, injections, etc. But I really wanted to know about your surgical thoughts. If we get to the point where conservative treatments don't work, could you please discuss some different topics? I wanted to start with a joint preservation strategy. Can you please tell us about that? So as far as surgical joint preservation, that's relatively more recent development. And there's lots of different ways that people will try to restore the surface of the ball and cup joint. And that's really, in a nutshell, what we're talking about when we're talking about shoulder arthritis. We're trying to restore the sliding or gliding surface and get it functional again so that it's working so you can move the shoulder and get it to the point where it's just not causing pain as much. There's some biologic ways that people will try to do that using other types of tissue, whether it's the meniscus from the knee or iliotibial band or something to make a bumper or a buffer between the ball and the cup. There are people who will actually scrape off or grade down the bone on both the ball and the cup side in hopes that somehow that stimulates healing. We don't have as much evidence about those types of procedures. I would not say that they're the typical way that we treat the shoulder arthritis at this point. In general, any biologic tissue you try to put into a joint, it has to withstand the forces and the wear and tear that occurs naturally in a joint. Thankfully, cartilage is generally very good at doing that. So the cartilage you're born with between the ball and the cup is going to be the most effective thing. Of course, when that's lost, when you get arthritis or have a trauma or something like that, it's gone. It's no longer doing its joint. And that's why you would consider doing something like a joint preservation procedure. I get asked a lot because there are often bone spurs that come along with arthritis, whether going in and removing just those bone spurs will do any good. And the general answer is no. It's something that people have tried in the past. I've tried in the past. The symptomatic improvement may be there very briefly or temporarily, but the big picture problem is still there. The arthritis is still there. And so in general, a limited surgery like an arthroscopy is not very helpful in a patient with, with arthritis just to remove bone spurs because you still have the arthritis, you still have the underlying problem. The only situation I can see where it might be of use is if you have a bunch of loose pieces of cartilage or pieces of bone floating around in the joint and your shoulder is frequently getting caught or stuck when those pieces get in the wrong spot. Sometimes we're able to improve motion a bit by just cutting some of the tight tissues. That's called a capsulotomy. In general, that's not a long-term relief. It's not something I do an awful lot of because of that. It just doesn't really give you good long-term relief. Would it be safe to say that joint preservation strategies, that's kind of the up and coming in the future direction? 
I would say that's a that's safe to say. The clinical evidence and the clinical data, to my knowledge, just aren't there to this point, and it's not super compelling to me as a practitioner to justify recommending it to my patients. Good stuff. Well, let's jump into part two, where we talk more about implants and shoulders. When we do go into this, I did want to ask you just a quick question. What is your DVT prophylaxis for shoulder reconstruction? Say you're going to do an implant, either an ME or a total shoulder. What's your routine for that? So my routine is aspirin. Very cheap, very safe. The guidelines for DVT prophylaxis in general, we base them on the American College of Chest Physicians recommendations and They do not have a recommendation for shoulder replacement per se. It ends up just falling under the category of general orthopedic procedures. And so unlike a knee or a hip replacement, aspirin appears to be the the safest and cheapest uh, route to go. And so that's, that's what I tend to use. Well, Dr. Silver, thank you for your time today. Of course. Thank you for joining the Ortho PAC podcast. Hello, listeners. I wanted to tell you about our next upcoming conference, the Ortho in the West, February the 18th through the 20th, 2022, which will be in Phoenix, Arizona. We have quite a few sports topics and trauma topics, and we hope you can join us there.